Welcome back to another episode of the Farmland Hunter. We got a pretty special episode with us here today. We got our first ever special guest, Mr. Mike Harbaugh. So, Mike is a trapping and predator hunting connoisseur, if you would call yourself that. What do you think, Mike? <laughs> well, I mean, I appreciate the kind words, but um, relatively new to it, but hopefully able to share some insight on some things today. Yeah, I mean, that's the cool thing. That's what kind of why I wanted to bring you on. I mean, I've known you pretty much ever since I was born, so I knew you haven't been trapping since for a long time, pretty relatively new to the whole trapping thing. So it's kind of good to have that um, being older and getting into something new and having that insight. So it's kind of just something to bring to the table. Correct. Yeah, I've been trapping uh, approximately since 2016 was my first year. Uh, started out as your basic trapper looking for all your predator uh, nest rating type deals, your skunks, possums, coons, uh, just trying to get my feet wet and then ultimately looked up to uh, foxes and your coyotes and uh, cats. Yeah, I mean, we kind of had a little run in with a cat this year back on our one farm. We uh, So for uh, the people listening, a little backstory. So Mike traps on our farm. And so there's this big bobcat and there's a road below our one tree stand and I had a trail camera there um, primarily set up for um, deer, turkeys, other wildlife, etc. But there's this huge bobcat on camera. And I told Mike about this and uh, bobcat trapping season was coming up soon. So he's like, yeah, I'll definitely get some sets out there. So I kept my camera there, kept it on his sets. He did his thing with the whole trapping thing. And we checked my camera day after day the bobcat would come in he'd sneak right up to the trap he'd like lean over the trap like he's gonna set his paw on it and then he'd bring it back off and we never did catch up with him and like mike said earlier he has his number for sure yeah i'm i'm looking forward to settling that score uh next year uh, i ran a dirt hole set um, and a cubby set he was interested multiple times we just could never uh get him to step on that magic two-inch circle what's a what are those what's a dirt hole and a cubby set so your dirt hole is literally you'll dig a hole in the ground uh you'll put some type of bait in it whether that be uh some type of lure that is like mixed with mouse meat uh, beaver anything that you can find that is attracted to a coyote that they think is a food lure um and then your call lure is any type of scent so uh, fox urine, gland lure, anything like that lures the animal in. They think that there was another animal there. Um, most predators are very territorial. So they smell that. That automatically piques the curiosity. Then they smell food. That takes their senses in that there's a free meal there. Once they commit to that, your trap, for me, anybody that's out there listening, there's thousands of videos on the Internet. Some people say you can put your trap tight to the dirt hole. Some people say you need to be eight, nine inches away. Um, I'm one of those guys that I'm tight to the dirt hole. My trap with, I use MB550s, it's five and a half inch jaw spread. That, that pan is literally six inches from that dirt hole. When they commit, they commit. I'm not catching animals by the toe, I'm catching them by a full pad. They are com completely committed to that scent, that lure and there's no questions asked. And when they step on that with those MB550s, it's two and a half pounds of pressure. It's literally like stepping through ice. Hmm. They put the pressure on and it's over. 
right there, pad catch, no injury to the animal whatsoever. If I want to release that animal, I can release that animal. There is no um, injury to the animal whatsoever. Their foot basically goes numb for a little bit. You release them. I've released red foxes, watched them run away yeah. with no injury whatsoever. Yeah, I think that's a misconception. People are like, oh, these traps are hurting the animals. But I see videos on the internet all the time of people sticking their fists. I'm sure when they get your fingertips, it hurts a little bit. But it's not like chopping their, their leg off or their foot off, you know? Yeah, that's one of the big misconceptions of the trapping industry and where trappers unfortunately get a bad name is you get a bunch of people out there that are you know propaganda that you know these animals are suffering and it's going to cut their foot off and do all these different things mm. that is not true you get a predator like that you literally can release them my daughter who's nine years old has a video of me releasing a red fox that was completely fine um, it, it's just the way it is, but there's the misconception out there through the internet that this is something that is cruel. Yeah. Uh, ultimately, you know, trappers serve a purpose. You know, for the outdoors people, the nest raiders, you know, if you don't manage populations, A, for that animal in that population, you get mange, you get dysteria, you get different things. You know, a lot of coyotes that get mange, they're going to freeze to death in the winter because there's too many of them they literally will not die they'll literally lose all their hair and freeze to death that's a miserable miserable yeah. way to, that is a bad way to go and i'm not aware there's nothing else that kills a coyote right they're pretty except us i mean they're pretty much the apex predator right? they're, they're an apex predator they have nothing to worry about other than humans they are yeah. extremely adaptable <laughs> um you know you you can see the internet they're in New York City. They're in Chicago. Yeah, in the they, suburban areas. They they find a way. People yeah. don't realize it. You know, we're, we're in we're in suburbia. In the winter, there's cats or there's coyotes that will come in looking for feral cats. Yeah, our stray neighbor, cats. Our neighbor's house. They actually came in down to their house. It was like it was in the middle of the night, but they have their dog box sitting out like probably like ten yards from their back door. A pack of coyotes came in and killed a dog and by the time they got out there the dog was still alive but it was so tore up it died not long after and they saw the coyotes take off yeah i have a buddy who has a doorbell cam right at the end of Bur right at the edge of berlin literally this fall multiple nights he had yeah. a huge red fox standing at his doorstep that's yeah. kind of like for kids too like you yeah. have little kids especially in like i don't know if berlin has bad problems with coyotes in town probably i don't sure but like those places like you said new york chicago whatever are getting those bad coyotes. Say your kids are out in the backyard playing at night. You know, you don't think anything of yep. it. But you get a pack of coyotes coming there. They have rabies or something bad. Get a hold of your kid. It could be terrible. Yeah. I think if they get a hold of your kid, probably rabies is going to be the last thing you're yeah, worried yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rabies, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> I mean, if they do let go and run off, yeah. you do have to worry about rabies. Yeah. That, I mean, I guess that is like the least worry. <laughs> but, stu I mean, it still happens. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. a very, very fair point, uh, you know. We serve a purpose as a trapping community. 99% uh, of trappers are really good people that are out there literally yeah. trying to do what's best for the population. It has to be controlled. Uh, for all the turkey hunters out there, yep. you know, you wonder why the turkey population's declining? Because the price of fur is down. Mm -hmm. The price of fur dictates how many people trap year in and year out. You know, if the coon price is up, People are hammering on coons. Coons are arguably the easiest animal to catch. Yeah. Uh, you, you can literally set what they call a DP, which is a dog-proof trap. 
you can set them in your backyard. Doesn't yep. hurt your cat, doesn't hurt your dog, doesn't hurt anything. There's a cylinder. You can bait it with marshmallows and chocolate syrup. For anybody <laughs> that's out there that doesn't want to spend the money on the lure or the scent, marshmallows and chocolate syrup will catch <laughs> yep. you a lot of coons. But that reality is they put a hurting on the turkey eggs. Yeah. And that's the reason, in my opinion, that you're seeing a decline in the turkey population. It's because the fur market is down. I know, like, at our farm we have chickens and stuff, and every year we just have, I mean, tons of, of a lot of coons, but a lot of other predator, predators that get into our coops and stuff. And, I mean, we'll go out and we'll, we'll hear the chickens at night going nuts, and we'll go out and there's three or four coons going after our chickens. But a lot of times my brother, he sets a live trap out for them, and all he does is put cat food in, and they just walk right in. He's caught a lot of coons that way, and I know that, they're hard. We actually had one time we had um, we went out to feed the chickens in the morning, and we walked out and we had twelve chickens in the pen, and one was alive up in the corner of the chicken coop, and the rest of them had their heads cut off, and they were just all laying. All of them were dead. It was it was horrifying. But I don't know. What do you think that is? We think it, it's a fisher, maybe. F- fishers have a tendency to be wasteful killers. Sport. They kill for sport. They they yeah. love the. Th- the thought process of killing yeah uh, a fisher will take a turkey out of the out of the roost take its head off and leave the entire body hmm. um, our our fisher season luckily in the last I believe two years ago was extended it used to only be a week um, right after deer season I think it's up to uh, 13 15 days something like that it allows you a little bit more time fishers are very uh, nomadic you get them on camera you you want to set traps if it's fisher season as soon as possible they roam all over the place but they will find a chicken house like that and they will wreak havoc Uh, mink weasels there are other things that are a lot smaller that can usually get through chicken fencing Um, yeah they're very similar in this aspect that they're gonna they're gonna raise hell with stuff for sure yeah yeah that's a big problem i don't know do you guys have chickens no we don't have chickens but like we had a dog one time. Actually, uh, he was tied out in the yard. You know, at night, you don't really think about it being close to your house. And, you know, we'd let him go in the middle of the night and stuff so he could go run and play around. And one night, uh, coyotes come in, and he took off after him, never came back. Yep. And I, we imagined the coyotes got I mean, yeah. for the most part, he was a big husky. But, you know, they can probably hold their own against, like, maybe one or two, maybe max. But you get in a pack of them, it's pretty hard to get away. Is it true that, like, coyotes, like, in a natural state, like, they don't, they're not really, like, pack animals? Aren't they usually solitaire? Yeah, they don't like to pack up. Uh, they're very territorial, as I said earlier. They're very family-oriented. Um, one of the best ways to be able to call in coyotes is a pup distress okay they're worried that something is gonna is attacking one of their pups they get very aggressive thinking that a stranger came in um but normally they don't that's a misconception as well they don't hunt in packs um i've killed a number of coyotes off bay pals over the years uh i think two or three years ago i shot five coyotes off one bait pal within three weeks wow that being said there was never one time that more than one coyote came into that bait pal. After I shot those five, I kept a camera on it. I still had multiple coyotes coming in after the fact. Um, so it's not like, you know, there's a group and they're really trying to 
you know, hunt everything down. Like um, wolves. You see wolves. Like correct. people show, like, them taking down elk. There's, like, yes. six or seven of them that are yeah. taking bites. Yeah. So Yeah. Not like that with coyotes. Coyotes, where they really affect deer, are the injured deer. Uh, or if the snow gets deep, where they can really run a deer down to exhaustion. Where coyotes really put a hurting on deers during the spring. And the fawning. Fawn population yeah. is, is extremely hindered by coyotes. I'll have to show you this video. So when I pulled my trail cameras the other day, I had, um, I have like a three shot burst of, uh, of like pictures and I had, uh, like a younger deer running through the woods and then I had one bobcat chasing it and then another bobcat chasing it. Oh yeah. I wanted to tell you about that. So he showed me that picture. It's crazy. They're two big cats too. They're not like one's one's a good size. I don't know how to tell like male or female. I don't know if you Mm -hmm. can tell from pictures. I'm not sure. Can you, can you tell? I mean, usually predominantly your males, your older males are a lot like thicker, huskier, physically put together, like the big Muscular, cat we were talking yeah, about earlier. Yeah. Like the muscle definition in that cat's shoulders more tone, are yeah. but pretty these big. Are, yes. All right, so <clears throat> here is the first one, and then that's the second cat. Like same time, right after it. And then that one goes through, and look at that one. Yeah, that's a big cat there. That second cat is definitely the male for sure. Yeah. It was just weird how, like, I didn't really think they'd chase a deer down like that, but they were both going after it. Yeah, so I have a trail camera picture. It wasn't my camera, but it was a picture that was sent to me two years ago. Uh, this bobcat literally is in midair with this hen turkey, <laughs> and all you can see is feathers, um. and it just happened to be where the camera was set up, but... Um, there, there's no picture of the actual dismise of the turkey, but it ultimately happened because this cat hammered it about That's three crazy. feet in the air. There's a video <laughs> on Instagram. I don't know if you saw it. I don't know. But there's a there's a deer laying in the snow all tucked up, and this bobcat sneaks out of the woods, jumps on its back of its neck, and like grabs like claws sink into its neck and everything, and it just starts biting its throat. And like taking it down, like just and the yeah. bobcat looks like a house cat. Like it wasn't a very big bobcat. It just takes down this full grown doe, yeah. just like that. I yeah. was like, that is crazy. I believe cats are probably like the biggest predator. I mean, they're so like their skills, their the way they can hunt things down. Like they can just move. They're nimble. Yeah, it, it's, they're scary. They scare me more than a a coyote does. It's scary. Um, you know, cats. If you if you're calling cats. I would tell you that if you want to set up on a cat and you're specifically setting up on a cat, you want to set for at least a minimum of 45 minutes calling. Um, They take forever to come in. They're very deliberate. They're very stealthy. You know, you you see videos on the internet, people like they'll take five, six steps and they'll sit for 10 minutes and just watch. Um, It takes them forever. They're not like a coyote or a fox. Most Full disclosure, most of the foxes and coyotes that I've called in, it's happening within the first three or four minutes. If they're there and they hear it, they're coming. Every once in a while, you'll get an educated one if you turn the call off and you sit for 15 or 20 minutes. You'll get one that curiosity figures it out. He wants to come investigate and you can kill one. But foxes and coyotes especially... It happens relatively quickly if you're calling. Uh, cats, it does not happen quickly. Um, you know, I've only ever called one cat in. Um, complete, completely honest, wasn't trying to call it in. It was actually during bobcat season, which made it nice. Yeah. Um, and we had a tag, which made it even better. 
but it took almost from the time we turned the call on to the time that we killed him was 35 minutes. Hmm. That's a long time to wait in the dark. It's a long time. <laughs> it is. Um, and, and you got to kind of have an idea of what's going on. We saw some very fresh sign. We had the expectation that he was in the area. But 35 minutes. He could have been there for 25 before he appeared. We don't know. Um, you know, foxes and coyotes, most of them, four or five minutes. I know a very, very well-known predator hunter. He gives foxes 10 minutes. He gives coyotes 15 minutes. If they're not there, he's out the door. <laughs> At that point, all he says you're doing is educating them. And if you think about it, especially here in western Pennsylvania with the mountains and stuff, yeah, you're a deer hunter. The wind swirls constantly. So number one thing when you're calling predators, you have to understand the wind. There's too many people that don't. You know, here on Macaulay's farm, there, there's a, a prime spot for calling. Unfortunately, it's a south wind. How yeah. many south winds do you get in the winter in western Pennsylvania? Very, very few. But there's a ton of people that want to call that every chance they get to hunt. And all they're doing is educating coyotes. Mm -hmm. I will not call that spot unless there's a south wind. The south wind's the only chance you get. The problem is, is five other people have educated them before that. I think that kind of goes into what we were talking about with deer, though. Like, hunting the wind and make sure you're hunting, like, good yeah. conditions. Not just going out whenever you, like, I understand if you only have a couple of days. But if you're really trying to set up one, like a deer, or one that you're, like, to get the best chances out without quality, educating. Yep. Quality hunts over quantity of yep. hunts. That's what you're where you're looking for ultimately, and that and that's a challenge because a lot of these predator hunts, uh, Pennsylvania's I think top five in the country as far as money hunts for predators. You know, paying out bounties on different places basically based on weight, and when people only have a couple of days, they feel right. that pressure. They sneak into areas that they shouldn't. They shouldn't, and all you're doing is educating them. And once you educate a coyote. It's really tough to kill him. All right, so um, I kind of just wanted to talk about like your favorite trapping memory. What is out of all of them? What's your favorite? Favorite trapping memory, hands down. This year, uh, I got permission uh, last year from a lady who put out a Facebook post saying that she had a bunch of rabbits in her barn that were killed. Uh, went out, talked to her, found out, did some you know homework on it looked like there was some foxes that were in the area um set up on a couple of different things caught a couple foxes you know she was extremely grateful invited me back this year um what i didn't know was it was an absolute honey hole i uh, <laughs> set up this year um i caught three different coyotes off that farm i caught two gray foxes and i caught four red foxes literally out of the same dirt holes uh the favorite memory one morning I checked it from the road, uh, looked back, really wasn't paying attention, saw that I had a coyote, was extremely excited about it, uh, called my dad, he brought my son, I have a five-year-old son, Cole, um, brought him out, we drove back, you know, thinking that we just had a nice coyote, here there was a gray fox, uh, literally 10 feet from it, and I had a double uh, with a coyote and a gray fox, wow. and my son literally was as about excited as you could possibly imagine. Yeah, that's cool. To that see is two, cool. two animals bouncing. So that, hands down, is my favorite trapping memory. Now, what do you think... Sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. What do you think, like... Who do you think was there first? Like, do you think they got into it at all? Like, So that that's the question that I get nonstop. Completely honest, I have no clue. Yeah. 
Uh, both catch circles were very similar. If I had to guess, the gray fox was caught first. Uh, I think the coyote came over, kind of. Yeah, there's an animal there. They don't. It doesn't bother them that there's an animal there. And I think ultimately he was in the area and smelled what I had there, and he made the fatal mistake as well. Hmm. That is uh, crazy. It, yeah, it, it, I was gonna. I didn't even think about that yet. Yeah, like, there's both ten feet apart. Which one got trapped first? Like, hey, don't step in the trap, buddy. <laughs> yeah, correct, <laughs> correct. And that's what my son, who was five, he that was his first thing. Like, dad, which one got caught first? And buddy, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just glad we got both of them. Like, it's a huge deal. It really yeah. helps the farmer out. It helps the population as far as you know. It's a bottom. There's a ton of rabbits. Or at one time, she said there was a ton of rabbits. And I think they literally consumed all the wild rabbits and had that smell from the barn, and they got really aggressive. So any animal that I can remove to help a farmer or landowner out, ultimately that's what we want to do. Yeah. 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 We kind of went into, like, um, you talked about earlier about, like, uh, what was it, the hunts in Pennsylvania. We have, like, one of the top five most money-paid hunts in Pennsylvania. So. I saw there's a group of like wildlife activists, you know, you always hear about those people and they're trying to get rid of those. And like, I'm not sure if it was New Jersey or Colorado or Oregon, wherever it was. California. Yeah, California. <laughs> they are talking about getting rid of money hunts and everything. Mm-hmm. How do you think the laws and regulations of like the anti-hunters are affecting our, um, our tradition, our, our whole way of being, living? So an- anti-hunters literally you know your pitas all the people that are anti everything that hurts animals or they think hurts animals spend millions of dollars a year <laughs> it's a challenge for hunters that you know when i was younger there was over a million people that hunted deer the first day of pennsylvania deer season it was like what was it like one of the like the world's largest militia <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. pa it, it's it's down to eight hundred thousand, seven hundred fifty thousand. i mean that's still a lot but still a lot but compared to where it was i'm not going to tell you my age but we've lost a lot of hunters in not too many years <laughs> um they spend money every year there's groups constantly coming um you know I don't know what their reasoning is. I guess they think that the animals are just being killed to be killed for money. I don't think that's the situation. Um, you know, it's a bonus. We serve a purpose as the ultimate food chain, top of the line product. We have to do our part. Um, I don't think they realize that if you don't kill three hundred sixty-five thousand deer a year what happens for one year with the amount of vehicle collisions <laughs> the insurance money that's involved yeah. you know all that trickles down they don't want to think about that they just want to label you as a bad person because you killed an animal you know we we've been living off the land for hundreds of years there's still people that literally have that thought process and there's nothing wrong with that um you know we serve the same purpose with the trapping community you know if you don't control populations and you don't, you know, manage them, how do things work? You know, where they don't understand is, is all these people pay an entry fee to get into this. A lot of money goes back to the people that do that. But there's a lot of money that goes into improving habitat for other animals, getting kids involved in 
in outdoor recreational activities. You know, we can all sit here and agree that there's not enough of those opportunities That's today. That's true, yeah. Um, you know, whether it's maybe putting money towards stocking fish in a pond. Yeah. And giving kids an opportunity to fish and get off the internet and, you know, get out and experience the outdoors. The outdoors, you know, is a huge part of my life. Thankful that my dad, my grandparents introduced me to that at a young age. And I'm trying to, you know, redo that for my kids. But I think there's a misconception that just because you're a hunter, you're a bad person. Like the amount of money that goes to improve habitat and improve opportunity for wildlife, you know, that's how things get done. You know, one animal dies, so a whole lot more can live. Yeah. You know, that's reality. We talked about this in a um, prior episode, but I don't think people realize, like all these people that hike and do stuff and are anti-hunters that hike and do everything, they don't realize that most of that stuff is paid for and maintained by hunters buying licenses. Correct. I don't think they understand that. Like, they wouldn't be able to go out on these um, public lands and hike and do everything if it wasn't for hunters and anglers buying taxes. Well, and the taxes that we pay just the same amount as they do, too. Yeah, exactly. Your game lands, you know, I, I don't have a figure in front of me, but the amount of game lands that is for public recreation in the state of Pennsylvania is paid for, the majority of it is through hunters' mm-hmm. dollars. You know, there's an amount every year that, literally is set aside from your license fees and everything else that goes to that opportunity to either keep things up to date or purchase more everybody in the state of pennsylvania is allowed to whether you're a hunter or an anti-hunter you can go out and walk on the game lands and see all kinds of crazy things you know that normally people that live in the cities and stuff will never get the experience but it was bought by hunters but we're labeled as bad people yeah and there's a misconception there that ultimately in today's age through social media and everything is is really we're up against it there there's no yeah. doubt about it hunters trappers outdoors people we're up against it i really think that i think i mean i don't know about you guys but i would say a large population um like of the united states doesn't follow the narrative of these anti-hunting platforms and stuff i think it's a small group of people putting all their money but they and all control their but they control what is going on. Right. And and they're putting they're yelling so much louder to convince people otherwise, you know. I think as us hunters and us doing this podcast and, you know, for all the hunters listening, like every time you get an opportunity to educate someone properly because that's what it comes down to. If you've never come in contact with a with a hunter and like ex- had them explain to you like how they do things, you know, it's very easy to get to, to not get like where they're coming through from and like what it means so i think as hunters we need to do as much education as the other side tries to I think, as well i think the other side also only sees the one percent bad that's yeah, out there like of course almost all hunters are 99 percent good but what's out there is the one percent bad and yep. i feel like that is what they focus on and feed on and that is what they go off of. yeah i've seen some bad videos yeah, as, yeah. even as a hunter on like social media i'm like that's just like like those kids a couple of years back, I'm not sure what state that was. That was, that was kicking that deer. Yeah, in it was kicking. Yeah. yeah, the deer wasn't dead, and they were kicking it. Like every, almost every hunter wanted them put in jail. Oh yeah, yeah. Yep. Like the anti hunters thought they wanted them put in jail. The hunters hated them way more than yep. the anti hunters. It just gives them fuel for their fire. Yep. You know the PA Trappers Association. Their their motto is our image is our future, and if you think about that, it's very powerful. Yeah. You know. Do you have to post all these videos of animals being in traps or anything? No. When you do, the antis 
or the liberals of the world take that and they just make it 10 times worse than what it needs to be. Yeah. If you just think about it for a second, you know, be careful what you post out there. Understand that more people than just hunters are going to view it and the anti-hunters are going to take it and just use it as fuel yeah. for their propaganda of what they want to do. I mean, it's false news. That's reality. The more people they can stir up, the more the better they are. And I agree with both you guys. Like, you know, 99% of us are really solid outdoorsmen that are concerned for the animal. You know, I'm one of them. You know, I'll hunt deer all year, but at the same time, you know, if the winter, if the snow gets deep, I'm finding a way to get them some food. Like, mm -hmm. I want them to be healthy. I want them to be, you know, make it through so I can chase them again. It's a, it's a fair chase deal, and I have respect for the animal. I love coyotes. I'm, I'm in the minority. I love coyotes. I cannot wait to trap them. I cannot wait to, hit, to hunt them. I can't wait to chase them. But at the end of the day, I respect them. And they've taught me more than most people have. That bobcat that we talked about earlier, he's taught me a lot. And I respect him. And someday I hope we get to meet. But if not, you know, he's kicked my butt so far. And I can respect that. And anti-hunters don't understand, or even not anti-hunters, but people that don't hunt, don't understand, like, when we say we love deer, but then we go out and kill them. They don't understand that connection. And I don't know if they will unless they try it. Yep. Like, there's a connection. Like, I think deer hunting, to me, is like you with coyote hunting and stuff if deer hunting was out of my life, like if they quit deer hunting today, I don't know what I'd do. I'd probably be depressed. I'd probably sit in the room the rest of my life. It's fair. And my girlfriend's looking at me right now like, what? Like, I, like what? You don't say that about me. But <laughs> but it's true, and they don't understand that. And I don't think they will unless they try it. Yeah, there, there's a connection to the outdoors, and I, I recommend whether you don't even have to hunt. You know, just get out and experience the outdoors. Go out in a spring morning and listen to a gobbler gobble. Mm -hmm. oh, you know, yeah. <clears throat> go out and and watch a whitetail rut and just experience how Mother Nature works. You know, it's very peaceful. The outdoors that like that's my getaway. I have a very stressful job Monday through Friday is quite frankly hell. Saturday and Sunday, like I look forward to getting out, listening to the birds singing, watching the sunrise, listening to the woods wake up that's what it's all about like that's there's only so many of those moments and you got to share them with anybody that you can that's not educated about it you know find somebody that has no clue take them fishing you know take them you know out just to listen to the woods wake up you know see animals in their natural habitat it's not always about killing it's never about killing no right? it's not it's about enjoying the chase and enjoying the outdoors and that's the ultimate reward for me Yep. Yeah. So what got you? How did you get started in trapping? Then, like, what what got what gave you the bug to start trapping? So you know, I, I'm I'm middle aged. Um, never had anybody that really had trapped in my family. Um, you know, completely honest. Uh, the show Mountain Man. Okay. You know, wa watching <laughs> that and saying, you know what, I can do my part. Like I love spring gobbler hunting. Um, it, there's something about spring gobbler hunting in the spring, you know, it's warm, you know, you can take people out and enjoy it. And around here, we have some really good turkey hunting. I don't mean to butt in on this or cut you off about what you're saying, but um, Mike hunts on our property, turkey hunts on our property. And I just want to put this out there that 
I can't wait for turkey season. It's been bugging me all night. I keep when you said about gobblers gobbling earlier. I kept thinking about man. I can't wait for turkey season. I can't wait for turkey season. Yeah, I got season. into some the other day. I was shed hunting, and there was a group of them that were walking my way, and I just walked their way, and I heard them um, like clucking and stuff, and um, and then the gobbler fired up. I'm like, oh man. We're yeah. two months out, but man, it's it got me all fired yeah. up and ready. There's nothing better. <clears throat> I, I mean that that song in the spring that happens. I'm fortunate enough every so often in my house where I live, like I can walk out and get ready for work at six o'clock in the morning, and there's a gobbler that will roost a hundred yards from the house, and he literally wakes the neighborhood up. And it it's spring, and that it's nothing better. Um, you know, I thought I could do more through trapping. You know, and there, there's an initiative right now on Twitter. It says save the poults. Yeah. Predator trapping, predator hunting. The majority of predators put a hurting on turkeys. It, yeah, and it's sad because turkey hunting, like um, this year on our farm, we were lucky enough to have a pretty good kill on the farm, um, long beard-wise. Me and Emily each got one. I actually killed two on the farm. You actually killed one on our farm. Yes, I did. And, I mean, we have a I, – I would argue this, that we have the best turkey hunting property no, in Pennsylvania. Don't. No, you don't. <laughs> it sucks. Yeah. I would argue that. I, I would argue Todd's blue in the face about that. And the thing about it is the hens, whenever, like, after they have their poults, they um, lay eggs, they hatch them out, there's barely any poults. You don't barely see any young ones. It's kind of, like, sad. And you, I want to see more of that. And hopefully – I mean, you trap on our farm, so – I mean, hopefully we get some more, like, nest raiders, like you said, out mm-hmm. so we have a better success rate. Even on the fawns, they're pretty They're pretty bad on oh, the fawns. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we've, we we had a, an okay year here on the farm. I think I took three coyotes off of it, uh, four or five coons and a couple possums. Um, you know, everyone in my mentality that I can take off there saves a nest. You know, if you can get four or five pulls out of that nest of 10 or 12 to make it, it adds up. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's the challenge right now from us as a trapping community and as sportsmen is to take care of it, each group. You know, there, there's a place for coyotes. I don't want people to think that you know Pennsylvania would be better off without every coyote there is. There, there's a place for coyotes. It's a circle of life. Yeah. Um, but they have to be managed, and ultimately, when fur prices and stuff are down, you know. People don't want to take the time. I've never once in my life said that I was going to trap fur for money. It, it, honestly, you're going to lose money. That's the reality. Price of gas right now, you know, yeah. let's let's hope it goes down before November. Um, you know, it, it's tough. But you don't ever do it, or at least I don't ever do it to try to turn a profit. I do it to try to manage the population, control the areas, help the landowners, Ultimately, you know, I love chasing whitetails. I love chasing gobblers. Coyotes are a part of it that just make it that much more fun in January and February. I think um, I'm going to waste a lot of gas here in about the next three to four weeks driving around looking for gobblers. It's going to be that time. <laughs> yeah, they're going to be sure. hitting the – I mean, I saw the weather. and We're supposed to get like six to eight inches of snow tomorrow. Yeah. But then the rest <clears throat> of the week it's getting up into the 60s and sunny. Yeah. You're going to start seeing strutting birds in the fields. Yeah. So, I mean, the truck's definitely going to be putting some miles yeah, on. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's great. We were talking about the cons- – not to cut you off, but the conservation thing. Like, a couple years ago, the – and not a couple years ago, but a while ago, like, turkeys were endangered. And so the conservation efforts by the National Wild Turkey Federation and stuff has really brought the populations up. 
you know? Yeah, absolutely. The NWTF, I mean, from just strictly a turkey foundation, you know, what they've done to improve habitat, improve nesting areas, relocate birds, you know, nationwide has been outstanding. Um, you know, I can, you know, speak to the Rocky Mountain elk, mm-hmm, you know, yeah. what they've done out west for opportunities for people like us to be able to go out there and hunt public lands and not only kill a bull, kill a good bull. Yeah, yeah big bull. Are, 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 you know, extraordinary. Um, you know, it's people like that. You know, you talk about ringnecks mm-hmm. and pheasants forever and what they've done to try to improve habitat around here, you know, the farm, you know, offering opportunities, trying to bring those birds in that were, you know, from the Dakotas that were wild birds and trying to get reproduction. All that plays a part. It's cost a lot of money. You know, if you don't control or help to control the predators, it's a waste. And the reality is, you know, right now with the grouse, it's the state bird of Pennsylvania. The grouse are in trouble. They're a ground nesting bird. You know, any grouse that we can get to reproduce because of the West Nile, and that's what really hampers them. You know, if you can save a grouse nest and you can get three or four of them to make it, that's a huge deal right now because they are in trouble. You guys are young. You haven't experienced that. I used to be able to walk around in the spring and turkey hunt and hear grouse drumming nonstop. I can't tell you the last time in the spring when I heard a grouse drum. I don't even know if I've... I've seen one grouse in my life, and I was driving a four-wheeler. I don't know if they... Is it called molding, like whenever they can't fly? Well, they'll, they'll literally like kind of like drag themselves along to basically get you away from a nest. A, a hen whack like she's injured, she'll drag a leg. Yeah grouse in the spring like they'll they'll literally fan up just like a turkey <laughs> and they'll drum and that's like their mating ritual and it i've seen it once like actually watch one drum one of the coolest things ever their wings beat so fast and they make such a thunder it, you know it, it was impressive but you guys don't get to experience that I don't when i was growing that. up that was like you heard as many grouse drum as you did turkeys gobble <laughs> and now like when I hear a grouse drum, like almost like, do you hear that? It's exciting. <laughs> like, wow, there's actually a grouse here. Yeah. And they're in trouble. I mean, West now really put a hurt on, on them. So they're fighting that fight. But at the same time, then you have every coon, possum, skunk, fox, and coyote trying to either eat eggs or kill poults. And it it's a struggle. It really is. I think that's where trapping really and predator hunting too. Like I know you do a lot of predator hunting. But I think that's really where it comes full circle, where you start to you kill a coyote, kill a fox, and then ultimately down the line you save a fawn, save two fawns, save three fawns, save turkey nests, yeah. and then it just all like it grows progressively, and you have a better uh, success rate of the animals, and I think that just helps. Yeah, and I would take it a step further, you know, from the small game perspective, trying to get kids introduced into hunting. Small game's good. You know, your rabbits your squirrels, stuff like that, that when I was growing up used to be abundance. I could go rabbit hunting when I was 12, 13 years old. We would kick out 15, 20 rabbits a day. No questions asked. My grandparents would tell you that when they were alive, that, you know, when they were growing up, it would be 40 or 50 rabbits a day. Well, there was no predators back then. Oh, okay. Is that what it is? You know, that, that really puts a hurting on it. Coyotes. I mean, they love rabbits. You find a rabbit track in the winter. Anywhere outside, I bet there's a coyote track or a fox track pretty close behind it. Yeah. Like, that's what they live for. You know, your squirrels, 
that they put a hurting, you know, between that and ultimately we can't really control the, the, the aerial assault with the hawks and the owls. They put a hurting on things. You know, back in the 60s and 70s, you didn't have to worry about that as much. But if you can get rabbits or you can get squirrels, like my kids would love to hunt squirrels. Trying to find squirrels now is tough. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's easy. You can move around with squirrels. You can mm-hmm. make noise with squirrels. You miss a squirrel. They're dumb enough to come back out. Yeah. You know, but to introduce the youth. It's an easy know, way to get them started. It's very easy. You know, there's times where people struggle deer hunting. Good luck getting a kid to go sit for six hours and not see a deer. Yeah, it especially, does, yeah. It doesn't take long Which to is, turn a kid what's off. What's going on? I mean, this past year was rough. Yep. I mean, it's starting to become a pretty, yeah, we pretty talk, popular thing. Yeah, I mean, we can talk about this with you since you're our special guest. We don't have to just talk about trapping and stuff. But we talked about how the deer population just seems to be like in a gradual decline here in PA. And I don't think the game commission is doing a very good job at noticing that in certain areas. Because, like, I mean, down in um, where Emily is in New Baltimore, mm-hmm. anybody around here knows that there's a lot of deer down there. Yep. But in our little neck of the woods... You don't see that many deer, really. You don't. Even in my house, which is only five miles, maybe less, just pretty much over over the mountain from New Baltimore, we're seeing like no deer. And I think it just—I think the game commission gives out way too many tags, like doe tags. Like you can get five or six doe tags now. Yeah. And I just think it's—it's it's not helping. So I don't know. What do you think? I. I <laughs> so it's an unpopular opinion. The game commission will not like me for saying this. Um, you know, we talked about CWD yeah. forever. Um, you guys are in the outdoors as much as anybody, myself included. You know, if CWD was this big bad thing that they say it is, how many dead deer have you found that weren't killed from a rifle or an arrow or hit by a car? Yeah, and that's, I don't find that many, I mean... We, I have like access to probably around a thousand acres that I can walk anytime I want to, maybe more. And I very rarely find dead deer. And when I do, it's either old, like from past years, or it does have some sort of wound, like an arrow or a rifle bullet. And I have, I run about 13 cameras on uh, two or three different farms, and I don't get sick deer on it at all. Yeah, that, that, that's my biggest thing. They've pushed that narrative forever. I think to most of us hunters, we're fed up with it, to be honest. Yeah. Um, the reality is they're using that to increase the number of tags. And there's people out there that call themselves hunters that are greedy. They'll shoot five or six deer because they can get five or six tags. Yeah, that's we were talking about that. And yeah. I don't think that's right. I mean, it's okay. I mean, you're going to eat the meat. That's fine. But... I mean, when you're looking at it from a conservation standpoint, it is not the thing to do because you're you're ten years from now, you shooting those five or six deer every year, year after year. Now you're gonna walk out on the opening morning, and you're not gonna see a deer all day. Yep. And I've already had that trouble. Me and um, my girlfriend Emily, we were sitting in my rifle stand for the past two years, and we didn't see three deer all day. And my uncle and everybody talks about times when they could drive around and see hundreds of deer in fields. And I would love for that to come back. I'd love for it to come back. Yeah, I, unfortunately, it, it's the time we live in now. Um, it, it has drastically declined. Your uncles and I are the same age. Yeah, you guys graduated together. We used to be disappointed when you came to school. You know, you used to get the first two days off, and 
you, you would share the stories and you would be mad if you didn't see 70, 80, 90 deer in two days. <laughs> I don't even know I if hunt rifle, that in a year. I hunt rifle. I haven't seen 90 deer in the last probably seven or eight years to combine. Yep. Yeah. You know, it, it's a challenge. Um, there, there's too many people out there. I think the game commission needs to do a better job of managing certain areas. I think where we broke down these management units, I think they're too big. Yeah. And it, don't get me wrong, the game commission has a tough job. Yeah, they do. In my opinion, they're understaffed. Um, you know, you have a couple WCOs that are way too shorthanded. They're trying to cover vast areas. You know, I don't know if they have a true grip on talking to people and what's going on what's going on within that area um you know the t 2c area encompasses four four five counties yeah that's a really big area to try to say hey you can have sixty thousand licenses for this area well yeah maybe in new baltimore there's a pow of deer but up on top of the mountain in berlin good luck seeing five deer in two weeks yeah <laughs> you know that's reality and I don't think it's managed properly. And like I said, it's not that I'm blaming the game commission on that aspect. I think that they're very short staffed and it, it's a really tough situation. I think like they need to go about it a different way. I think they, instead of just like looking at like, okay, we got to kill the deer off, get the CWD down and then we'll come from it that way, which I don't understand that point completely. I'm not sure if like whose idea that was really, if maybe I, I don't even know if like the game wardens are on, bored with that whole idea but i think they need, just need to come about it from a different angle yeah well so basically cwd there's um i watched a jerogan podcast on it um but he <laughs> had a he had a wildlife biologist that specializes in cwd and he was very well knowledge and cwd is a prion which is kind of like a protein affects and, the brain and yep, spinal cord matter yep. Yep. And, and it takes two to three years to, to get into the system and cause an effect later in the deer system it, later in its life cycle basically and so, I mean, around here, like, it's sad, but you don't see a lot of deer that last two to three years. Usually two and a half years. A is... buck's getting killed. I, I think the average age of a buck in Pennsylvania, actually just this past year, like 2021, or maybe the 2020 season going yep. into 21, I think the um, average age of a buck being killed in Pennsylvania actually just jumped to two and a half years old, which means before that, prior to that, the average age of a buck being killed in Pennsylvania was one and a half years old. Yeah. And I mean, a one and a half year old buck isn't very big, but there's a lot of people that shoot bucks like that. Yep. You get a three year old, a lot of people are shooting three year olds around here. I mean, I, I shot a three year old this year. He's 130 inches. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're not passing up a three year old in Pennsylvania. Right. Yeah. right. But what I was getting back to is so basically, this prion can live in the environment for 15 years, they say. So basically, I don't understand the whole like. Let's kill off all the deer. I get. It, I guess to stop the spread, basically, of it. But you'd have to kill the deer and let them completely decimate off Pennsylvania for 15, 15 years, years and reintroduce them and hope it's still not in the environment. And the whole with, you know, not not getting deer to one to one areas, like we're not allowed to use attractants. We can't put mock scrapes in. Like th that stuff is all natural in the woods anyway. And I, I just don't think it has an effect. I don't think and. I don't know, I may be wrong, but like we were saying, like we haven't noticed any deer with CWD in our area, period. And out west, CWD has been around since the 60s. And they still have, I mean, the, a lot of those states make a lot of their money off of western hunting and hunting itself, and they have great deer populations with the CWD. I understand, you know, it's better if we can manage the CWD here while we can, but in the long run, 
can we stop it and how much of an effect is it going to make and I think that's what we got to look at more than just let's just wipe all the deer off because what's it matter if you're going to kill most of the deer off and, or have the the disease kill them anyway you know and it's only going to draw less hunters less hunters are going to want to get in the woods because they're not seeing anything you know the diehards and it's going to be harder to get kids in like I have a little brother that wants to get hunting and I'm really struggling with how he's going to get his first deer because during rifle season we haven't seen the deer like and and it's hard now like you want to pass up most of the deer you see because you know there's not many of them yeah. you know so i feel bad for the young hunters to get started because i know that first couple of years can be tough to get your first deer look at iowa okay they struggle with ehd and i think Which EHD, is worse. yeah I, Which i'm is gonna worse. i'm gonna put that out there yeah ehd is definitely worse than cwd and look at what they do okay mm-hmm. they and look at the amount of tags they put out and how they do like non-resident hunters see pennsylvania has a lot of non-resident hunters come here because the licenses are relatively cheap they can come here hunt public land vast whatever yeah but in iowa it takes you two years to get a muzzleloader tag and then it takes you four to five years to get a archery tag and the people that live there they get like one buck tag maybe two depending and like two or three doe tags so they're not getting that many tags and the deer are getting to 160, 170, 180 inches, yep. and everybody's on the same page of letting them grow. And look at what they've done with a way worse disease. But yep. we're here in Pennsylvania struggling with CWD, and we don't have any deer. Right. Yeah, I think transparency would be one of the best steps for the Game Commission. Um, you have conspiracy theorists all over the place. Oh, yeah. yeah. You go to a local community building and bring a game warden in and talk about CWD. And it, quite frankly, it's it's out of control at times. Um, you know, Iowa, you mentioned Ohio, Nebraska. We were lucky enough to go to Nebraska. The only reason that we got a pass in Nebraska from a reporting standpoint was because of COVID. Um, you know, what if you had to report every deer kill? What if they age structured it and you got an exact number of how many deer were actually killed? Pennsylvania is a guesstimate. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, that, no, that's reality. They they're literally guessing. They're relying many. on people to send in that paper thing, and I I send mine in because I you know I do I just do it kind of help, but and it's a law to do it, but a lot of people don't do it. Correct. I'm gonna I'm gonna put that out there, and that's probably one of the most abused probably laws in Pennsylvania is not reporting your. There's harvest. no repercussion. Yeah, unless you take your deer to a processor or a taxidermist, and this goes back to being understaffed from the WCO perspective, there's no way to find out if you if you killed a deer. If you're not honest, then you don't turn your tags in and say, hey, I killed a deer, why, in, in Somerset County, and it was this. It's literally just a, a guess. An educated guess. Of what was actually done. And I think there's there's a misconception there that, oh, we killed 365,000 deer in Pennsylvania. Well, did you? Yeah. yeah it's we pretty, don't know. We're, yeah. we're hoping that that was the number. And how many poachers there are and Correct. how many red tags, how many farm tags don't yeah. get reported. Where, yeah. Where's the actual number? And you bring up red tags, and that's a very good point. And I completely am on the side of the farmer here. Do not get me wrong when I say this. But there is a very vast number of deer that get killed yearly in the summer that we have no idea yeah get killed yeah of how true. many get killed 
and that's that's an extreme time, you know, where fawns are still nursing, and mom gets whacked. Yep. They don't necessarily factor in that maybe she got shot and the fawns can't survive. That that exact thing happened. So a farm out by where I live, they started red tagging, and they red tag in the spring through February, the hardest months of the year. And um, they did it that early summer, like midsummer to early summer. And come fall, August, September, there was a group of 15 fawns running around. They stood by the road because they had no idea what happened. Correct. And that's a big that's a big problem I think that's happening out in our my area of why we're not getting the deer numbers is because they're just getting red tagged. And we've had a lot of good bucks a couple years ago that were up on the mountain nice bucks you know they still didn't age out they were young and they were there a lot and then it's like every year they're they're gone they never come back and we think what's happening is they're coming off the mountain to feed in these this ag land and um at that point they don't have antlers some of them and they're just shooting the biggest deer that there is i mean until you go up and you put the tag on the animal it's really hard to tell whether it's a buck or not and whether they care or not is questionable too because honestly i feel like if you really cared about the deer you wouldn't be out there just laying them down you know yeah, that's true. In, in february so i think that's what happened with a lot of our deer and that happens a lot of places too yeah. and i mean i have i mean our family owns one of the biggest farms in somerset county and we don't do that and it's kind of we hunt and i mean back in the day when there was a couple hundred deer in a field they probably yep. did have a lot more damage on a field but nowadays, you there's very little deer damage compared. Well, you, you know what? So you know on, we can blurt this out then. You know, like yep. I mean, there used to be 60, 70 deer when you go through there at night. How many deer do you see there now? Yeah. It, it's completely different from where it once was. I agree with everything you're saying. There's a trickle-down effect to all that. All those fawns that didn't have mom teaching them. Well, guess who's the prime coyote bait? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're standing okay. like, where's mom? It, it doesn't take long for that to have a direct negative effect on the population. Um, you know, I would take it a step further with the bucks. We all want to hunt big bucks. Everybody listening to this that's a hunter wants to hunt big bucks. Even if you're a meat hunter, you're still like, I'd like to harvest you a would nice li- You'd like to kill a big one. What do you think the pressure... In the summer, which is supposed to be their easier months, minus maybe you know struggling from water, but there's around here there's always food. What do you think the pressure is on that buck when there's constant gunshots? Yep. Constant people in the fields. The scent nonstop happens. Those bucks, at least the older bucks, they're gone. Yep. You know that they're literally intelligent enough they've they've lived it they don't do well with pressure no um you know it doesn't take long for them to figure out that i'm out and you you, it's a negative effect on the landers you see these big bucks and then there's people just non-stop shooting yeah i completely understand from a landowner that they do have damage and they can justify it sure i get it population has to be managed I think there's a better way to go about it than shooting them in the summer. Yep. Yeah. That's yeah. just my opinion. Full disclosure, never raised a crop in my life that I tried to harvest for money. <laughs> yeah. I get that. I've raised crops for deer to harvest. Yeah. But I've never done it from a money perspective. So I apologize if I offend anybody there, but I think there's a better way to go about it. For sure. And when you add pressure to them 
constantly all year round you're gonna stresses them out yep you're gonna affect them maybe you're not killing them but you're putting more stress on them they're not going to be as healthy as they normally are you might kill them without even meaning to kill them yep yep yeah but for sure i just want to i mean we're at like an hour an hour or something so i just wanted to say thank you to mike for coming on to the podcast yeah yeah absolutely it was fun i mean anytime you guys want to sit back and talk about the outdoors you know i'm game we might bring you on for uh spring gobbler season yeah looking forward to it i I, you know the uh end of april can't get here soon enough yeah shout out like the the weekend before you youth season hopefully uh we can get one of my kids on on a long oh yeah that would be cool yeah that would be that'd be cool that's the game plan Yeah. yeah that'd be fun so thank you yep absolutely thank you guys for having me on i appreciate it yep all right we'll see you guys next week (laughs) yeah thanks